0: Welcome to the Real Health, Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May, In this podcast we discuss how you can achieve real health. I share my own experiences and interview some pretty amazing people. Three years ago, I was stuck in a vicious cycle of hating my body, bad dieting, and having nowhere to turn. There is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to health, so let's find what works for you. My passion and purpose in life is inspiring girls to feel good in and about their bodies. If you're ready for some real talk, sit back and enjoy. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the episode six of the Real Health Real Talk podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview with Monica Yates. Monica is an ICF certified coach and period coach. She teaches women to take power of their period. This is a really interesting episode if you're wondering the ins and outs of your period and all those sorts of things that we sort of think we learn in sex ed but we don't quite understand all of it. We go over everything from PMS symptoms to cravings and all those sorts of things so I'm really excited for you to hear it. As always, the Real Health ritual Talk podcast is for informational purposes only. So we do talk about the pill, we talk about a lot of different things but before changing anything in your own life, please consult a GP as this is informational only. I'm really excited for you guys to listen. I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here is my interview with Monica Yates. Monica, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Thanks,
1: Ebony, for inviting me on.
0: So I first came across you at the Soulful Brunching event and you literally blew my mind with your no bullshit approach to periods. Really wanted to interview you, and I think that everything you say is extremely valuable. So can you please tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and why?
1: Yes, so my name is Monica. Um, really, really, really long story short because that would take the whole podcast. Basically, um, <laughs> over my journey of like figuring out what I wanted to do in life I realized that my soul calling was to teach women about periods um never would have thought this would be a thing but it definitely is so basically I am a period coach and I also do a lot of life coaching so um What a period coach basically is, they teach women about their periods, everything from understanding that PMS is not normal to understanding the different phases of their cycle, helping them connect to their femininity more, um, understanding how their brain works, all that sort of stuff. Um, And that then ties into, you know, every other hormone under the sun. It ties in a lot actually like thyroid, to weight, to fatigue, um, to eating habits, to self-love, all that sort of stuff. Um, It really starts with your period. And then, yeah, and then I also do a lot of life coaching, which I love. So it kind of gets all interwoven into one. Um, but my life coaching encompasses a lot of helping women to understand their wiring and what sort of conditioning um, they have picked up from when they were younger and how that's affecting them now, helping them to rewire their brain and just live the life that they, they dream to live.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. I love that you're taking so many different elements and they're so relevant together and just pulling them together and um, intertwining them because I think a lot of the time people see them separately. And doctors also see them separately. Yeah, 100%. So anyone who has already listened to the podcast knows that I love talking about real health and how it's really multifaceted. Um, and I talk a little bit about self-love and self-worth and I think that that's, yeah, like you said, that's what ties into what we're going to talk about today because feeling comfortable inside your body, feeling proud of your body, um, and knowing about it is a sign of self-love because you're actually, you know, showing that you care enough about your body to get educated on its functions and the phases you go through to, to do the best for your body at those times. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: And what I actually often say to women is when you understand your cycle and your period, you just cannot, I was saying this to women this morning, actually, you just can't hate your body. Like when you understand the beauty of your cycle, you're just so in awe that it's not possible for you to look in the mirror and go, I hate myself because you just like, how can you hate something that beautiful?
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of us don't actually know what a big picture it is. We just, I think a lot Mm. of us are like, oh I I bleed once a month and it's just so annoying they don't Mm. you know they don't put it all together and think this is actually so cool like this is amazing
1: I know and that's what I love just sharing with women yeah
0: yeah and that's why I wanted to talk to you today because uh, I saw your post about this on Instagram and you're a massive advocate like for you know just being open about it and making it not be weird like it's not weird saying the Mm. word vagina like there shouldn't be like this like stigma around it. Can you talk a little bit about why you feel so strongly about that?
1: Yeah, I'm just really passionate about teaching women about actually, well, firstly, there is different um, terms for each thing. So we often say vagina, but our vagina actually means um, like a sort of like canal going up to our cervix. The outside that we're very often referring to is actually a vulva, not a vagina. Mm-hmm. And that's why words like pussy or yoni, they encompass the whole thing. Um and they're actually, when you think about it, it's actually like quite like an elegant, beautiful word. Um, but it's just funny because men will go around like grabbing their dicks, giving their dicks a good scratch. They like play with their dicks and know their dicks like back to front inside out by the time they're like, you know, two years old, that it's like nonstop stop grabbing it. There's no shame around it. Um, but a woman just wouldn't um wouldn't do that. She there's a lot of shame around saying the word vagina or vulva or pussy or yoni. Um, and, you know, even when I'm doing talks and stuff, people will say like downtown or they'll use other words instead of mm-hmm. the correct, um, the correct terminology. Um, and I've even noticed that women don't even, don't even want to talk about periods and stuff because they're just like, Oh, like it's mine's fine. I don't even know about it. Like does just, ew, you know what I mean? It's just a very ooh thing. And I get that because that was me before I got into this work. It was a very ooh thing, but um. Yeah just shouldn't be anything. It's just like a body part. You know what I mean? Like it's just a body part and we all have either a dick or a a vulva. Um, so like stop being so scared about them.
0: Yeah. And it's a shame that we, we often feel that way because you said in your, in your talk that all of these, you know, PMS symptoms like bloating and, you know, like cramps and stuff like that, you said that they're very common, but they're not normal. So if you don't seek help and if you don't talk about it, you can't, you can't improve it, you know, you can't learn about it, you can't learn ways to like help yourself.
1: Yeah, I think, I think honestly, it actually, the the bigger problem here is that women think that it's normal, and it's not, it's common, but it's not normal, and because they think it's normal, they don't even go to look for help, because they don't even know there's such thing as help for period cramps, you know what I mean, and my argument is, did you really think, I was actually doing a talk for Beautiful Minds the other day with these young 11-year-old girls and they were asking me about cramps and it was kind of like a before you get your period talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said to them, I was like, I'm going to ask you girls a question. Do you think Mother Nature would want us to be in pain every month? And, of course, they were like, no. I was like, exactly. Like, it's like when people think that, like, you know, certain foods that are grown from the earth are going to make them fat. I'm like, did you really think that Mother Nature Put food on our planet that was going to make us fat or sick. You know, same thing. Why would you make a woman who gives life to be in pain every month? It does not work like that. Or to hate something every month, you know?
0: Mm, Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about those symptoms and things like that. Can you just break down, let's say the ones that you get asked about most can Mm. you break them down
1: so majority of it stems from the fact that most women are estrogen dominant so estrogen is the hormone that rises in the first half of your cycle it rises and then it peaks just before ovulation then drops off now it's obviously hard because we're on a podcast so you can't see me demonstrating but I go through this in really good detail um in my turning off your period problems program with like diagrams but basically just imagine a mountain rising up that's estrogen and then it drops off right before you ovulate now the higher the mountain is, the bigger the drop. And that's the problem that so many women have such high levels of estrogen because of like, you know, toxic chemicals, exposure, like their liver not working properly, they're not eating good food, blah, 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 blah. And then estrogen is so high that right before ovulation, they have a massive, massive drop and then they get that week of shitty PMS symptoms because then their estrogen is so, so low um, from compared to that big, big high bit that they were sitting on before and women don't have enough progesterone generally these days. And um, the reason why they don't have much progesterone, and that's the hormone that rises in the second half of the cycle, is because everyone's stressed. And whenever your body is secreting cortisol, which is a stress hormone, it actually taps into your progesterone. So the way it works is that your um, the building block sort of uh, cycle is that it starts off with cholesterol. So your hormones are made from cholesterol. Then below cholesterol is pregnenolone. Pregnenolose and pregnenolone is broken off into DHEA, which then goes into testosterone and your estrogens. And then um, all pregnenolone can go into progesterone. And then below progesterone is cortisol. So every single time your body is secreting cortisol, it has to tap into your progesterone stores, which makes you progesterone deficient. Now, progesterone is a hormone that rises in the second half of your cycle. And it has it basically is like the yin to the yang. So it's like estrogen makes you happy, boosts your serotonin, makes your skin plump. Um, will often also give women a lot of fluid retention and whatnot because they have too much of it Um, it will increase your libido Um, it'll make you really happy and make you very energized and then it drops off and then progesterone is meant to rise to counterbalance that so it'll make you feel zen cool calm and collected having any anxiety effect have an anti-depressant, um depressant sort of effect it will reduce inflammation reduce fluid retention all that sort of stuff but women don't aren't getting that rise of progesterone that is flatlining it so then after the drop off of estrogen that's where they get all the pms symptoms and that's not normal that is a sign that's your body telling you something's not right So your period is our monthly report card. And when I look at women's periods, not physically look at them, but like (laughs) when they tell, when they, you know, I could, but when they tell me about it, um, I can tell them exactly what's wrong straight away because it's telling you what's wrong. And it's about being able to listen to it and understand that it's actually your monthly report card. It's like going to the doctors for free. It's going to tell you whether your thyroid's not working, what your inflammation's like, how your blood circulation is, what your liver's doing whether you've got enough progesterone, how stressed you are, how your adrenals are doing, so many different things. Um, and, yeah, that basically in a nutshell is like how the PMS happens So in that second half of the cycle. Generally, it's from too much estrogen and not enough progesterone.
0: Mm-hmm. And would you recommend girls get um- – a hormone test? Should they just be documenting how they feel each month? What's the best way to do yeah, that? Yeah,
1: look, you can definitely go get a blood test and, and a, do a saliva test or whatever. I mean, there's always a valid reason to do them, um, but sometimes they can be a bit expensive depending if you get how big a panel you get. Um, Medicare covers some of it and then the rest you have to pay for. Uh, saliva tests, I don't think Medicare covers at all, mm-hmm. especially if you get them done through a naturopath. Now, whilst they're all fantastic, I really like going off symptoms because you can then monitor how it's progressing as you go along. And sometimes bloods don't show everything, you know, sometimes a blood test can say your adrenals are fine, or your thyroid's fine, but you know, what's fine. You know, whether something's wrong. And yeah. what I actually really like about doing symptoms, and that's why I've got this like hormonal questionnaire thing is that often girls won't even know that's a symptom of something wrong because they're so used to it. Yeah. You know, like you know, 40 minutes into a session with a woman, I'll say, wait, do you get the sore boots? And she'll be like, Oh yeah, I do. And I'm like, there you go. Like we're we're so used to this shit that we don't even um we don't even know when something's wrong. So by giving a girl, you know, a woman a um, hormone questionnaire, she can actually go, Wow, I'm actually suffering from a lot of these things and I'm not even realizing that I am. Yeah. So in short, there's a place for everything. Um, but I really, I personally really, really like going off symptoms because you can also monitor how they're getting better or worse, which then tells you obviously a lot. Um, and it also allows you to just connect with your body a little bit more and not just look at what some numbers are saying, um, or what some bloods are saying, because that still disconnects you from what your body really truly knows.
0: A lot of my friends have really, in quotation marks, really bad periods. And they say, oh, like my mum always had a bad period, like,
1: Oh God, that's a good line. <laughs> I love when women say that line because that's when I'm like, your mum can have whatever she wants, but you have to turn the genes on. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the bottom line. So even if you carry the gene for PCOS, you have to turn it on from environmental and lifestyle factors. And yes, there are some unavoidable unavoidable things, but do you think that by constantly telling your brain, my mum had endo, my mum had endo, that your, that your body is going to go... Oh, no, that, that's okay. we gonna have a perfect period. No, all your brain sees is endo, 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 endo. So what's it going to manifest? Endo. And I'm not saying manifest in quotation marks of like magic manifesting. I'm talking about science has proven the power of placebo and right there is a great placebo that you're giving your brain of telling it you have endo. Um, or telling you you have painful periods, or telling it that your mom had painful periods, so sorry, that your mom had heavy periods, so you're probably gonna get heavy periods. If you tell your brain something for 90 days, that's the only story it knows. Yeah. And of course, your brain, that's where it gets the information from, and then it and then it relates that to every cell in your body. And of course, your body will create what your mind, what your mind says to do.
0: And it's almost like by saying that, you're accepting it. You're saying it's okay that I have awful periods because, Mm. you know, there's a reason for it. But changing your mindset, It's an excuse. And like, like, I want to, you know, I want to make this better for myself and there is a way to. It's about, yeah, changing Mm. your mindset about that. So is that questionnaire, is that like in your program? Like can people just do that? Yeah, that's
1: in my program only. Or if you do um, sessions with me, then then you'll um, also get the questionnaire. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the pill because yes. in, in my immediate friendship group, I don't think there's one of them who aren't on the pill. It's just super common. I think it becomes oh, yeah. something that, um, that now it's like, you know, you become, a, once you turn a certain age, you, you go on the pill. Um, and I remember that when I was, I think it was, I was 17, um, my mum was like, I really don't want you to go on the pill. I really don't want you to go on the pill. But all of my friends were on it. And it was just sort of that thing like, well, oh, everyone's on it. Like, I think I should just do it. Then I can skip my period. It'll be easier. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. the pill and why you don't think it's maybe the best option?
1: Yeah. It's not even like, I don't think it's the best option. It's not the best option. full start. And I will <laughs> yeah. just say right now that I don't care whether you're going to throw the comment of, you know, oh, but it saves us from cervical cancer. Um, if you're eating a good diet and you're not stressing about cervical cancer and you're not shoving fake hormones into your body, the likelihood of you getting cervical cancer is very slim. And I would not go and hedge my bets of taking a a hormone to quote unquote, protect you from cervical cancer when it could give you a whole host of other issues. So yeah. firstly, I'll say that because I am going to do a YouTube on that actually, because I get, I've gotten that question. Um, I've gotten some serious hate mail actually about that, about that point, um, which I just think is ridiculous. Anyway. Um, so the pill, basically um, I've, ri- I've actually written a massive blog post on about like 45 reasons why you shouldn't be on the pill. But the reason why most girls go on a pill in the beginning is because, yeah, one, they, one, they hate their period. And that's because we are constantly, you know, in our in our um, culture, it's like periods of shit or their mum's period was shit. So they believe there's going to be shit, which is the classic one. Or the common term is thrown around, like next time I'm coming back as a man or men have it so much easier. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly put, fear is constantly put in our mind. And when we are at school, I'm sure you can remember this in sex ed, um, you know, it's like one lesson on periods and fear is put into your mind straight away, but also fear is put into your mind that you could fall pregnant at the drop of a hat. And <laughs> most people know it's not that easy to fall pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're taught that, you know, you could fall pregnant at any time in the month. You cannot fall pregnant at any time in the month. You ovulate once, sometimes twice in a cycle, sometimes, but it'll be in the same window. And that's rare. That's when twins can sometimes happen. Um, so you'll ovulate once in your cycle generally and when you ovulate, that is when you can fall pregnant and the egg survives for 24 hours maximum and then that's it. It dies and then you go on with your life, you know. Um, where You know, you can't just get pregnant at any time of your cycle. You need to have an egg there in order to fertilise and that's what a lot of young girls don't understand. Um, so, you know, if you – basically your sort of fertile window in your cycle, while well, I'm on the topic of this, I might as well say it, is um, – So you've got the day of ovulation, obviously, but you need to have those five days before ovulation. You also want to block out as um, fertile days because if you have sex, the sperm can actually live inside you for up to five days. Usually more around the two to three mark, but it can do up to five days. And if you've got some really good swimmers in there, you never know what they're able to do. And then if you've got, you know, if you're having sex like four days before you ovulate and there's some sperm in there and then an egg is released, there's definitely a chance that it, you could fall pregnant because um it could be implanted. So that's sort of like your fertile window. Really, it's like about a week, a month where you um, would want to be avoiding having um, unprotected sex. Um, yeah. So that is that. But yeah, the pill, basically, you know... What's funny is that um, people will buy organic meat, organic veggies, organic chicken, organic eggs, like hormone-free this, hormone-free that, but then they'll put hormones in their body. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what, like why, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like don't don't eat the organic chicken if you're going to shove some hormones in you. Um, And it really wrecks girls' libido, which kind of is the part that breaks my heart the most, to be honest, because girls go on it so young, they haven't even discovered what a libido is. And for any young listeners that are listening to this, a, a libido is like your sex drive. Um, you know, when you're 16, 17, you've barely discovered what you like in bed. You've barely discovered yourself. You've barely discovered your libido. Um, you know, and, and generally you've got brain fog and you're a bit tired because you're at school every day, stressed about whatever, um, you know, and then you shove yourself on a pill and you don't even realize it's doing any damage because you don't even know what normal is yet. Does that make, does that make sense? yeah Mm. um so you know and that destroys your libido and science has proven that it can destroy your libido for life for as little if you're on the pill for as little as six months it can destroy a woman's libido forever and it is a very very common theme in clients and in girls that I work with of oh do I need to have a sex drive like women aren't even realizing that they don't have a sex drive or that that's not normal having painful sex or having no libido is not normal it is stupidly common but it is so not normal and it breaks my heart when so many women just don't really have that much of an urge to have sex with their partner and it's hard on your relationship and men don't get it because men are horny fuckers you know but we should be too and um And so the pill really, really destroys your libido. But then also, if you are going on the pill for a reason, as in, you know, you've got shitty periods, painful periods, um, acne, whatever, the pill, it just masks all the symptoms. It's... split. It streamlines everything. It basically puts your cycle on pause. You do not get a period. That bleed that you get is drug-induced. So when they first um, made the pill, um, they actually didn't have a breakthrough bleed in the pill. And women that were taking it didn't feel okay taking it because it wasn't natural to them. So they brought the pill, um, they redid the pill, put the bleed in that so they could sell it on the market so it would be successful. And, of course, we've been brainwashed to think that that's a period. That's not a period. That is a breakthrough bleed, um, a drug-induced bleed. Um, so when you go on the pill, you put pause on your cycle. Nothing is happening. You're not getting the ups and downs of your hormones, which is a good thing. You're not getting all of the amazing hormones that make your skin plump and make you energized and feel good. You're just not getting them. Mm -hmm. Streamlines everything. And when you come off the pill, the problems that you had before you were on the pill are very often a ton, ton worse. Than when you went on the pill, so things like acne, they can it, that that will be worsened by the pill generally, mm-hmm. and that's because um, what the pill actually does is it basically puts, um, it basically blocks your pores and puts like a plug in your pores so you don't get, um, so you're not making, a, so the sebum isn't being released, okay, which is the oil in your skin. But the problem is that your body is still making the sebum. So inside your little body, it's like ramping it up and it's like trying to produce more and more sebum because it's like, what the hell, we're not getting out through the skin, we're not coming out through the skin. So it ramps it up and up and up and then you take the plug off as in you, you stop the pill. And that's where the acne can actually be a lot worse because although you've taken the pill off, your body doesn't know that. So it's still ramping up this sebum production, which makes your acne worse. Yeah. Um, and then it can take another six months for that to settle down. Same with heavy bleeding. If you were on the pill for heavy bleeding, more often than not, you'd come off the pill and it's crazy heavy again. Um, but the pill ain't going to fix that because you're shoving in a pile of synthetic estrogen which is what makes your period so heavy. That's what makes your period heavy. You know, having too much estrogen or having a thyroid issue and guess what the pill does gives you more estrogen and is more likely to make you have a thyroid condition, not to mention they're not bioidentical hormones. So just think of it this way, the estrogen that your body makes is the complete opposite to the estrogen in the pill. So, you know, um, like and same with the progesterone. So the progesterone isn't; they're not bioidentical. They don't have the same chemical structure. They have a very similar, similar chemical structure, but they don't have the same. So the quote unquote progesterone in the pill, that for example slows down your metabolism, whereas our natural progesterone made in our body speeds up our metabolism. Um, you know, progesterone in the the quote unquote progesterone in the pill, um, it holds on to fluid. Our progesterone in our body gets rid of fluid, so helps reduce fluid retention um you know and there's there's actually a really good book called the pill is it for you and it basically runs through all the science of the pill it's a fantastic book i highly recommend it mm-hmm. um you know the pill has been linked to depression to even like things like cancer you know you're shoving in bottom line is you're shoving in these synthetic hormones your body doesn't know what to do with them um it doesn't do anything good for your body and any any reason that you're going on the pill for, it's just going to mask the symptom, and it's going to be ten times worse when you come off it. And who wants to come off it when they? Who wants to get acne when they're 26 years old, or not be able to fall, fall pregnant when they want to because they've been on the pill for so long? Um, and so, I guess the bottom line is, if, and if you're going on the pill for hormonal contraception, the fertility awareness method that actually has higher rates of um, of so lower rates of um, a what's it called, uh, an accidental pregnancy. So um, which is crazy, and I did a, I did a YouTube on this. So basically, the pill, although it's got a you know um, a perfect use rate of you know like I think it's like ninety eight percent. Um who the fuck takes the pill perfectly you know yeah. people take it at different times of the day they forget they're on antibiotics they've been out drinking There's time change when they're traveling it's nobody takes it perfectly and there is millions of women every year that fall pregnant on the pill millions it's a very very common thing um whereas the fertility awareness method it's got a 99.3 um percent uh like um perfect use rate Which means, and you can't do you don't you don't you don't do a typical use rate with that one, because the fertility awareness method it's basically just knowing your freaking body, and you're in your body every day. You go into the toilet every day. You see your cervical fluid every day, Mm -hmm. and and therefore, when you know that sort of stuff, it's much harder for you to fall pregnant because if you've got eyes and you've got you know feeling. Your body tells you when you're fertile, um, it's actually much less likely to fall pregnant on the fertility awareness method, unless you're doing it incorrectly and you don't know your cycle, then yes. you can fall pregnant. So if you know your cycle well, and this is why you need to be trained and understand this stuff, because when you understand it, then it's very, very hard to fuck up. But if you don't understand it very well, then of course it's easy because it's confusing. Um, but yeah, the pill is not, um, not as safe as what we're made out to think it is.
0: Yeah. It's just sad because obviously we're going to be taking the advice of the GP and we think that they're like a Mm. critical source. We think that that's what's best for us. A lot. I I was on the pill, as I said, when I was 17 and I got off it once I started studying nutrition. And once I started Mm. thinking, this is not good for me, but um, it's just hard, I guess, to get in your mind that because these people who you trust are telling you to take it. Yeah. So I'm on natural cycles and like I yeah. sort of do I've done a lot of research in that and like just really listening to my body and I told my doctor that because when I went for my checkup and she was like, Oh, are you still on the pill? And I was like, No, I haven't been on the pill for a few years now, you know that. Um, and she just she just pretty much laughed in my face and she was like, You need to get back on the pill, it's not gonna work. I've had like three babies using that method and it's just people shut it down so quickly. With that method, quickly before I forget, mm-hmm. she's
1: probably talking about the rhythm method, which is very, very different. So the rhythm method goes off the idea that you have a 28 day cycle and you ovulate on day 14. Mm. Only 30% of women ovulate on day 14, 70% of women either ovulate beforehand or after. So it is very important that you know your cycle. The the rhythm method is absolute bonkers. Do not listen to it. Do not do it because you will fall pregnant because chances are you're not ovulating on day 14. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, But, and and that's, it's a terrible method, but I cannot believe that she told you to go back on the pill. And don't worry, it's a very common situation. And it's not to say that all doctors are bad because there's, of course, a place in modern medicine. There is always a place in modern medicine. um, And they are very knowledgeable people, but they actually aren't taught about this stuff in uni. So in uni, all they are taught about, because I've actually listened to doctors talk about this, is all all they are taught about is how to counsel a woman on the best um, hormonal contraception to use whether it's for a period problem or to not have a baby. And that's why doctors will often put women on um, the IUD now, because that's basically a hundred percent chance of you not falling pregnant. Um, So to them, that's successful. And I don't know about you, but that does not sound successful to me, not to mention the IUD should not be used before you you, um, have have finished having babies because it can get lodged into your uterus and then um, it can cause serious problems and you might not be able to have kids. So um, just doctors don't often say that, but they should be. Um, But, yeah, that's a very common situation that doctors will be pushing girls to go on a pill, and I just think that's so immoral and ethically wrong um and that's why i'm here just to educate if a, if a woman wants to go on a pill that's fine but she needs to be given all her options she needs to know the the, the natural way of doing things as well as a home, uh, a pill um so she can choose for herself because that's the problem we're not given all the options we think the only option is to take a drug and immediately we place so much fear in our mind of like wow our body can make a baby but to us that's scary because we're worried about falling pregnant when we don't want to
0: but that's the issue because we're not told any of the options. Like, I, I remember when I went to the doctors, she pretty much said, like, if you're going to be having sex, you need to be on the pill. You know, mm. y- there's there's no other way. And that's, of course, like, when you're, like, 16, 17, you're going to be like, okay, I obviously don't want to have a kid. Um, and it is, yeah. it's is—it's really fear-based, um, which is kind of sad. Can you talk a little bit about um, that, like, induced bleed? Because I, yeah. when I was on the pill, um, there was a group of us, like, you know, have like girls talk about it, like anyway, in like their little friendship groups. Um, and a few of them were like, oh, I haven't had my period in so long. And others were like, oh, you know, it's okay that I'm on the pill because I always make sure I have my period. And I actually didn't know that that was like not an actual period until the talk that you gave. And I was like, what? Like,
1: yeah. So basically what happens is That's why those sugar pills, it's just you've stopped taking the hormones for a week. So it allows your body to like shed um, and give you this drug-induced bleed. And some people say that it's better for you to have a bleed than not. And others say it really doesn't make a difference. In Mm -hmm. my mind, it really doesn't make a difference whether you give yourself this drug-induced bleed or not because um, it's not a real period. So a real period is there so that, you know, um, people say, you know, a period is a science, you know, some bloody YouTubers say that having a period is means that your body has toxicity. Can we also just say that's absolute bullshit? That's oh not the case gosh. at all. Not having a period means something's wrong with you. If you do not have a period, if, if you've gotten your period and then it hasn't come back, mm-hmm. um, that is a sign something's wrong with you. But, um, yeah, so a period is not there to, like, you know, get rid of toxicity or whatever crap people say it is. A period is there because... you know, before you've ovulated, the lining of your uterus has built up for a baby. And then an egg has been released to ovulation and you're left with the corpus luteum and that corpus luteum will turn into a placenta if you do fall pregnant. Um, And if you don't fall pregnant, it's going to stay there and it's going to give you all the amazing progesterone. Um, And then as the progesterone and estrogen drop off again before your period, that's when the lining of your uterus sheds. Of course, you don't get an increase in estrogen and then an increase in progesterone when you're on the pill, it's just flat line. So it honestly makes you not ovulating. You're not getting the corpus luteum. And therefore, whether you bleed or whether you don't bleed on the pill, like whether you skip a bleed or not, it doesn't, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for girls wanting to get off the pill or for girls Mm. who just, I know that my older sister, she's been on the pill for so long. And she said to me, it's just, it's just like scary to even think about going off it. Yeah, what, do you, what do you suggest that they do? Like, um, is natural cycles good? Should they have a basal thermometer? Mm. Like, you know, what mm. do you suggest?
1: Yeah, so there's definitely an art to coming off the pill and then getting a period back uh as soon as possible, like it took me 18 months because I did not come off the pill correctly. Um, so there's definitely a bit of an art to it. And I'm actually, I've got quite a request for this. So I'm actually going to make a program all about coming off hormonal birth control so it's done properly. But basically there's a couple of really key things. You need to make sure that your gut health is good. So the pill, it disrupts your microbiome um, very disruptive to your gut. Very, very, very. So, you know, doing, um, the gut right cleanse from ATP is a really, really good idea. Basically basically take this disgusting powder, but it works like magic. I've got a blog post on it. So instead of harping on about here, I would go read my blog post on gut right. And the um, product is on my shop page.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I would do that for your gut. Do not take probiotics or anything like that. You don't need them. Um, you know, probiotics, um, generally um basically what they do is you're putting in a whole pile of bugs in your gut which sounds fantastic but if you've got a bad bug in there which guaranteed you do because most of us do Mm
0: -hmm. that's
1: going to feed the bad bug and the good one so it's not going to get rid of the bad bug it's going to feed the bad bug what you want to do is get rid of the bad bugs and feed the good ones and that's what gut right does the polyphenols in it from all the plants kills the bad bugs any candida, any parasites, anything like that. Even if you don't think you've got candida or parasite, you could have these tiny, tiny, tiny little ones that aren't showing themselves enough yet. This gut right will help clear that. So, you want to make sure that your gut health is really good when you come off the pill because a lot of your hormones are made in your gut as well. You need a healthy gut to flush out excess estrogen. Um, you also want to really be upping your B vitamins. So, you're going to be, you're basically every vitamin, to be honest, the pill strips your body of nutrients. Um, you can actually be on the pill and very, very vitamin and mineral deficient. So you want to be um, you know, starting to supplement things like magnesium, have lots of more lamb for zinc, um, having vitamin A in so getting some chicken liver. And my trick is to do 80% chicken mince, 20% chicken liver, go to the butcher, ask him to do that, mince it all up together. Or you could do beef mince with chicken liver. You can't taste it. I swear to God, you can't taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, make a spag bol, make a curry, make a stir fry, whatever you want. Um, really, really high in vitamin A and all of your essential nutrients. But uh, livers are just packed with nutrients, packed with B vitamins. It's fantastic. Um, that's going to help flush your liver out as well. So um, you want to just be increasing all of your nutrients. And then when you come off the pill, you want to do a big post pill detox. So. All that estrogen that's been shoved in your body that's synthetic, you need to get it out um, and you need to get it out as fast as possible and it will take a few months. So you want to make a really conscious effort of being on a healthy diet. You want to make sure that your liver is working properly, which which probably it is not. So there's, there's a couple of phases to your liver and you want to make sure that you're getting it into phase two. And a lot of us don't get into phase two of detoxification because it's harder to get in there, but that's where the magic happens. And that's where your body flushes out the estrogen, which we want it to do. Um, like we want some estrogen, but having excess estrogen is where you get the heavy periods, the endo, the migraines, the headaches, all that sort of stuff, the inflammation, the fluid retention, that's where all that comes from. Um, so then, you want to go on a massive post-poll detox. You want to be having lots of, you know, root dandelion root things. You want to be having cacao, like not chocolate, homemade cacao stuff. Um, you want to be having, you know, lots of turmeric, tons of bone broth, lots and lots of veggies, lots of healthy fats, um, activated nuts and seeds, making sure that you're getting all your fat soluble vitamins. Um, turmeric and bone broth is like number, like top two things for um, cleansing your body at. You know, lots of lemon water, herbal cheese, all that sort of stuff is really going to help with that post-bill detox. So just get rid of the excess estrogen. And then of course, um, if you have suffered from bad acne beforehand, you want to make sure that you are definitely upping your nutrients and make sure that you are having plenty of zinc and maybe even think about taking a zinc supplement. I've got the best one that I recommend is on my shop page, on my website, um, Dr. Libby's brand, that's that one. Um, and I trust her with my life. She's incredible yeah, she's amazing. So, um, and then also taking a zinc supplement would be a really, really good idea just to help with any acne and getting rid of dairy. So getting rid of gluten and dairy and sugar um will help reduce inflammation and help your body to detoxify a lot faster um and then you know with natural and then once you've done that you need to give yourself a couple of months before you start re- relying on your cycle and understanding your body for contraception um you want to give yourself you want to make sure that you have your period back and once you have your period back you want to allow three months but it's really important that you're ovulating and it's really important that you know that you're ovulating um with natural cycles i actually need to film a, a video about this but um Natural cycles is fab. Knowing your basal body temperature is fab because um, after ovulation, your basal body temperature spikes and it stays high for about 11 days. If it's shorter, if it's not staying high for 11 days, that's a sign that you don't have enough progesterone. And that's how you know you've ovulated. The thing is though, that works backwards. It doesn't work forward. So how the app works and how you can do it even on pen and paper is once you've had those 11 high days, you count back eleven days and go, oh, that was the day of ovulation. Thing is, okay. your ovulation day can change every cycle, and an app does not know when your ovulation days change, so it can't preempt when you're ovulating, and that is the problem. These, you know, a thermometer and stuff, it's fantastic, but women are relying on just natural cycles and they're not looking at their cervical fluid they're not feeling their cervix position and that it plays a really really big role in your cycle as well so with the temperature it's great to be taking but it was actually a bit of an um a scandal that they found I can't remember the exact details, but it was in the news and it was about natural cycles and saying that it actually hadn't been proven by the FDA or this many women had been falling pregnant blah, blah 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 And that is because women are putting their whole life into a bloody app. And yeah. the thing is, so what can happen is if you have a really, really stressful week or month or whatever, your day of ovulation can change because your brain is like, oh, we're in fight or flight. We're stressed out. We're running from a saber toothed tiger. And because we're running from a saber toothed tiger, I can't have a baby and I don't want to fall full pregnant. So we're just going to stop ovulation and we'll push it back a little bit. And then you might ovulate the week after. Now, does an app know that? No. An app does not know what's happened in your life. A thermometer doesn't know what's happened in your life. So you could, you know, the app will say to you, because it goes off what your past ovulation days have been and the general consensus of women with like this, you know, they put everyone's data into one. Yeah. Um, the app could say, you're ovulating today. And you're like, oh, great. Okay, babe, we're not having sex. Like I'm ovulating. or Well, you shouldn't be having sex today. It's before anyway, but whatever for the argument's sake, just to keep it simple. Um, And then a week later, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not ovulating anymore, like I'm in my luteal phase. So the things, the app says I'm not fertile, great, we can have sex, but you're actually ovulating because your body pushed it off for a week because you were stressed out the week beforehand and now you fall pregnant and that's what happens.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. When because we're not robots, we're not gonna like have like no. you know have one ovulation day for the rest of our lives. Um no, so it does exactly. go up and down. So it is really important. And I've learned a lot of that through you just like how to like judge from my body. And it's I think it's good to have a guide like natural cycles to have something mm. like that. Like, um, but knowing your body, just getting used to that um, is really important. Well, I think we've covered a lot, but I'd love to ask you just a few quick cues to wrap it up. If yeah. That's okay. So what is the most common um, misunderstanding that girls have about their own period? That
1: period pain is normal or like having a shitty period that week beforehand, like being moody, being depressed, having ridiculous cravings breaking out uh okay one thing with breaking out is that depending where you're breaking out if you are like getting one pimple before your period science still doesn't know why that is if you are if that's not if that's not um also accompanied by a crazy heavy period and period pain and blah blah blah, everything else is working smooth sailing and you get one pimple science still doesn't know why that happens um if your liver's working and your gut's great and everything we still don't know why that happens but Mm -hmm. if you're getting like bad acne before like generally quite bad acting before your period. If you're getting a lot of bloating, fluid retention, headaches, all that sort of stuff, just all that PMS crap. Women think that's normal. It's so not normal. It is, I can't tell you, it is so not normal. What is normal before your period is that you might get a bit tired, a little bit fatigued. And you, if you've got enough progesterone, you'll get really hungry, but that's different to craving. So hunger is like you've had lunch, you can't be fucked eating anymore because you don't want to eat, like you're fine. You just eat in but you are you are like dying of starvation and like you can't even bother to go make food because you don't want food but you need it yeah. that is hunger a craving is just because you've had that massive drop of estrogen because your estrogen is too high and your progesterone is not low is is too low and your brain is longing for a serotonin boost and it knows that if you have sugar or carbs it's going to give you that serotonin boost so Hunger is okay. Cravings, no. Uh, hunger and fatigue are the normal things before your period. Everything else is common, but it is not normal. And that's why it's really lovely to actually know each different phase of your cycle and honour every different phase. So when you're coming up to your period and you're feeling a bit lethargic and tired and stuff, you know that it's totally okay and you can tune in, and actually honour it. And I think it's really beautiful.
0: That's going to blow so many people's minds that you're saying yeah. that, that it's not normal. Yeah. Like, yeah, because totally. so many people are living with it and they're just, they've just they just accepted it. I was going to say, and in case people like absolute bullshit, I've actually
1: got one client and she messaged me the other day or the other week. She, um, well, I think she's mid-20s. Um, since she was 13 years old, she's had the most horrendous periods, like would go to the ER um to because her period pain was that bad like that's the the emergency room like the hospital Mm -hmm. um because her period pain would be that bad she would have to like lie in like boiling hot tubs of water um like as in the bath and and take drugs and whatever to like not like knock herself out and get rid of the pain and blah, blah blah um for the first time she had a period and there was no pain no hot water bottle no um she lives in America no not not panadol but like whatever their equivalent is over there yeah um yeah no no need for a bath nothing like that um she was just a bit, little bit tired and hungrier and um that was it and I was just like oh my god I cannot believe that in four months we got there which was just incredible which is a short time so just quickly on that is that it takes at least three months for you to notice any difference so to see that much improvement in four months I was like wow that's I'm very happy with that
0: <laughs> Yeah, but just knowing that it's it's possible is, is amazing because, like I said, so many yeah. people think it's normal. Um, yeah. Okay, so we haven't really touched much on nutrition. That's okay. Do you recommend, um, you know, not having and what do you recommend um, that's, like, good, especially for, yep. like, hormones and around your yeah. period?
1: Well, sugar, there is just no place for it. I mm-hmm. love what people say to me. No, but, like, I'll, you know, we need sugar for energy. It's such bullshit. Um, there was actually... Um, that study that told uh, that like quote unquote showed that or proved that um, the scientists were actually paid to say that. So um, that's not correct. Um, if you have, yeah, I went to a movie premiere for Food Matters new, um, t- a new um, movie the other night and I it just blew my mind. Like and same with the Powerade and saying how that's so like a sports drink, it like replenishes you or whatever. Or like it's better than water. Yeah. Like each scientist was paid like $50,000 um which is just ridiculous like how fucked is that anyway so yeah so the foods to avoid is sugar like obviously if you're out with your girlfriends and you want to have some cake or whatever like it's a time and place for it you got to live your life you got to like feed your soul at the same time but yeah sugar has no place in your diet your body does not need it and it does not do anything good for your body put it that way um and really not great for like periods for cramps it's going to cause more inflammation more cramps more more estrogen dominance all that sort of stuff so Sugar's I no-no. Um, gluten, wheat, that sort of stuff. Um, the wheat and gluten that we are eating is so, 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 so different. I can't even tell you. Like completely nothing similar about the, um, the wheat that, you know, we would use to harvest from like, you know, like hundreds of years ago. Um, completely different. So refined. Completely different proteins. So it's a completely different chemical structure and everything. Um, it's not the same thing and we cannot digest it. Um, even studies, how, what was the study? I need to actually find it, but it was in this film. Um, it was Mark Hyman talking about it. Basically like, um, you know, the gluten that's found in today's product makes your gut lining so bad that you can't actually, um, you can't get your gut lining to repair itself. Like that's how much it pierces the gut lining. Wow. Um, so yeah, no human can digest the, 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 um, protein in the wheat and the gluten. Um, and it causes serious leaky gut and serious inflammation, which is going to lead to a whole host of period problems, um, not to mention everything else. And then dairy is a funny one. So some people can tolerate dairy. Others cannot tolerate dairy. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something that you need to trial for yourself. A lot of people find they're better off on a dairy-free diet. However, some people can do full-fat dairy because the full-fat dairy has got the enzymes that your body can then use to help break it down. But you also need to be careful of like, Conventional dairy has got it does have a lot of estrogen in it. It does have a lot of pesticides in it. It is mass manufactured, so it's not going to be that great for you. So just monitoring that as well. But I will say with all of that, and then vegetable oil. Oh my god, vegetable oil is the biggest no no ever. You can link to my blog posts as well for that, so people can read about it. But vegetable oil is like there is no time and place for it. Like oh my god, no. Yeah. Um, it's it's like you're having, it's like petrol. It's literally pet, it's used as it's, um, petroleum is used in the process of it. And I don't know about you, but I don't think our bodies can deal with petroleum. <laughs> no. Um, so they're sort of the, you know, things to be wary of. And I know people then go, Oh my God, well, there's, there's nothing to eat. There's plenty and plenty of, of stuff to eat. It's also about how you prepare your food. And it's about the state that you are in when you eat your food. If mm-hmm. your brain is stressed, if your brain is in fight or flight, the blood is diverted to your legs and your arms and away from your digestive system and away from your reproductive system. And because it's diverted to your arms and legs and you can quote-unquote run from a saber-toothed tiger, um, which you are not doing, it's not going to your digestive um, tract, which means that when you you throw in a pile of food, whether it's a roast veggie salad or whether it's a bowl of pasta, your body can't deal with it because it's not ready for it. And then that causes stress on the body. You're bloated, you're cranky because you're bloated. You're Mm -hmm. also stressed. Which then, and we know that stress is like the, you know, the beginning of all disease. Um, stress is just so bloody bad. It's, it's, it's you know, the modern world's new, um, new cancer or whatever they, they're calling it now. Yeah. Um, so, and then your body is stressed out, which leads to a million other problems. So, um, there's no point like, to really try to avoid eating when you're stressed. Um, because your body literally cannot deal with the food because it is not a priority right now. The priority is running from the saber tooth tiger. Um, that's why a lot of people will find that when they're on holiday and they're super relaxed, they can have bread and they can have pasta and they can have dairy and they can have sugar. And not only will they lose weight, but they also won't be bloated. They won't feel crap. Their skin won't break out. All that sort of stuff. And that's because their body is not stressed. So yeah. then when they put the food in, your digestive system can actually deal with it. It's incredible
0: yeah and that makes sense too um but I don't think it's really talked about that much like the actual like feeling you have when you're um making food and also like you know preparing food and like it's just so your body knows like oh okay like I'm going to eat food soon like you just you don't really think about that but um yeah
1: yeah. like that's a really important thing actually like when you're preparing food and your body smells the food that's why it's great to actually cook food from scratch and not get uber eats because when your body's smelling the food it actually is telling your digestive system like oh food's coming so little enzyme little dudes in there are like ready to rock and roll the acidity is going all that sort of stuff so when you eat your body knows it's it's ready it's it's waiting and it can break down the food whereas if you just come home you're stressed from work you order uber eats and then you shove it in your gob your body's like whoa I did not know food was coming and therefore it can't break it down and it can't deal with it and you get bloated and it just you just feel like shit
0: so last question, if you could um, put one book in all like high school like curriculum programs, what would yeah. you put in?
1: Maybe Deep Nutrition by Catherine Zanahan. It's a very, very science book. It's a very heavy read. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good overview, I guess. It's not period related, but it, she talks a lot about um, our ancestors. She talks a lot about vegetable oil. She talks a lot about the importance of having like a traditional food diet and just real food, um, oh, my God, I don't, I couldn't, I cannot even answer that question. Like, my list of, like, I love all my books. Um, it's the pretty book reading at the moment, <laughs> It's so hard. The book I am reading at the moment, though, I, I read, like, five books at once, but one of the ones I'm reading at the moment is The Way of the Superior Man, which is really, really good. Um, Dear Lover is also really, really, really good, mm-hmm. um, about sort of understanding the feminine, which I love learning about and um, definitely doing a lot of work around that, especially with my clients. So, um, yeah, I do love Dear Lover, but yeah, I don't know. Couldn't I answer that question? All of Mark Hyman's books are really good. Um, yeah, can't answer it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. It's hard. That's like if someone said to me, what's your favorite movie? I'd be like, oh my God, I have no idea.
0: I'm like that too. I'd be like, okay, like I have 10, so. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Is that okay? <laughs> Thank you so, so much for chatting with me today. Um, I'll link, link all your socials and stuff below. But yeah, thank you so much for chatting with me today. You're very welcome, Ebony. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If you like this episode, feel free to go and leave me a podcast review. If you want to hear more from me, then pop over to Instagram and follow me at Coatsworth. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next episode, I wish you happiness and real health.